In today's Live Treasured podcast, mental health, medicine, and faith. Hey there, everybody. I'm Eileen Thompson, and I want to welcome you to the Live Treasured podcast, where we believe that inner healing happens over a lifetime through the intimacy of a relationship with God. And today, I'm so excited to introduce to you uh, my guest, Brittany Moses. Hello, Brittany. How are you? Hi, Eileen. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be having this conversation. Thank you so much for coming. Um, Brittany's passion uh, revolves around the intersection of faith and medicine and the mind and mental health. And so I'm so excited to bring her today for to our podcast today for a few reasons. One uh, is obviously that mental health uh, with COVID has come to the forefront as the numbers of people that are struggling with mental health have increased, both for our younger generation and for us as, as women. Uh, so it has been a concern, um, and many of you have spoken up and asked me to do podcasts about this. So that's one of the first things. The, the other thing uh, is that on a personal level, um, every morning when I wake up, uh, I take 30 milligrams of a medication called Cymbalta. And I've taken this medication for a while, but I've never shared that with my audience. And the Lord really put it upon my heart to begin to have the conversation to share this, to break down the stigma between our faith and uh, and medicine and how all that works and is interconnected. Uh, and so, Brittany, um, I'm so honored to have you here today to just start having these conversations. We will be putting inside of the podcast description a link to Brittany's website. She has awesome resources. She has uh, a 21-day uh, uh uh, walk through through mental health that you can sign up for. It's an absolutely free resource, a fabulous blog. Um, so I highly, highly recommend you checking out Brittany. But today, she gets to be on our podcast. We're so excited. We're so excited. So, well, let's let's go ahead and dive in, Brittany. Um, and I guess let's begin. Where did you uh, this topic of of mental health? Um, where, where, where did, why were you passionate about this topic? Where did it, where did it stem from? Absolutely. First, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, I think that so many people will relate to your experience or having to do something for their mental health or their overall health every day, and it should not be stigmatized. So I appreciate you sharing that. Um, but yeah, for me, so I guess where it all really begins is I was a church kid. I was, you know, the kid that was running through the church pews. My parents were young adult ministers, and I was kind of the kid that everyone kind of adopted, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak. So I uh, was born and raised in the church. Uh, kind of had my falling away after going through a divorce with my parents and then uh, coming back to the church when I was 18 years old. And I also had my son at that time. Mm-hmm. I had my mm-hmm. son young. I mm-hmm. went through this kind of non-linear 
non-traditional path of right. ups and downs. And that's a whole other topic, mm-hmm. but having my son, uh, really kind of put me in a framework of wanting to get more serious about my life and my direction and what I was doing, where I was going. And one of the first things I turned back to was church. Mm -hmm. And so I got back involved in church. I ended up serving in ministry for years Mm -hmm. with youth and young adults. Also had a period where I moved to Dallas, Texas and was serving with new church plants Mm -hmm. and also had my own ministry going on at the time for youth and young adults and fellowship and community outreach and Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. And so Really, I would say my, my, some of my first light bulb moments around mental health was serving in church. It was in the church context. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who know me now, who knew me then will tell you like, Brittany, you've always been doing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I had to realize that, mm-hmm. um, I found myself oftentimes managing a lot of crises, a lot of mental crises and distress, um, you know, teens dealing with suicidal thoughts, um, parents being very worried, very freaked out. Um, also young adults just having traumas as well as, uh, physical disabilities that Mm -hmm. was impacting their mental health. Um, all kinds of things like everything, you name it. And it's one of those things that you didn't realize all that you were signing up for. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't realize I was signing up for this whole mental health aspect of things. It was one of those things I didn't realize until I was really hands-on serving and um, realizing also that we were lacking a lot of resources and understanding Mm -hmm. around what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember meeting with my lead pastor and it just being like, Hey, can you, you know, meet with this family? And, you know, I go over to this family's house Mm -hmm. and just be there, pray with them, listen to them, be supportive before I had any experience or formal education in, you know, the mental health world and just holding space for others. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had that very lived experience in church. And I always say, looking back now, it makes total sense because research for over 20 years has shown that people will go to their church or their clergy before they ever step foot to a mental health professional. So you do realize, yeah, the church really is that, um, really that gateway. Mm -hmm. It really is a gateway Mm -hmm. where people are seeking help. Mm -hmm. So this is why I advocate, you know, the church and mental health, having this integration in this conversation. Mm -hmm. And that was my experience in the church, but I also had my own experiences as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember being a teenager and um, having suicidal ideations and just Mm -hmm. feeling really hopeless about life. Mm -hmm. And is this going to be it kind of thoughts, you know? Um, and then in young adulthood, when I went through a divorce mm-hmm. with my son's father at the mm-hmm. time, we got married young, kind of went through a young divorce. He mm-hmm. went a separate way with mm-hmm. his life mm-hmm. and hitting rock bottom and finding mm-hmm. myself homeless, living on a friend's couch that took on me and my son, being a newly single mom, wow. and then moving back home and having to rebuild. Um, going through anxiety, severe anxiety, and just feeling so out of control of my life and just feeling this constant on edge of when is something bad going to happen? You know, when is a bad thing, losing all hope kind of for life and just expecting this foreboding of Uh things going wrong. Uh Uh, Not to mention my marriage was also very uh, tumultuous where I had someone who was very impulsive and would do things that were very destructive Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what to expect next. Mm -hmm. So I had this overall anxiety that was hovering over me that I did end up going to therapy for. Mm -hmm. 
um, not just therapy, but also joining like support groups at church. I had a mentor at church who just happened to be, uh, she just happened to be a retired therapist. So that was amazing. God is so um, good. Yeah. Yeah. And just, uh, exercising again, just kind of this holistic journey. And I say all those things because we have all these tools and a tool belt for mental health. It's not just one thing Mm -hmm. that I had to go on for myself. Um, And then eventually leading me to go back to school, getting into UCLA, which was amazing. I never would have seen that for myself as a newly single mom, homeless, sleeping on a friend's couch to uh, kind of rebuilding my life, going back to school, getting into UCLA, studying what I'm passionate about and getting on the mental health track. Mm -hmm. And so, um, because I just wanted to learn more, like what are the dynamics that I was missing? Because one of the things I was doing before I went back to school is when I was serving in church, Uh, I was going and reading constantly all these books and doing kind of my own research Mm -hmm. around mental health and all the dynamics that make a person and what I was missing um, in ministry with the people I was encountering with Mm -hmm. and sitting with. Mm Um, and so that continued in my school journey. So now, um, I'm, I live in Los Angeles, California with my son and I'm in a relationship as well. We're blending and, uh, I study psychology and I also do clinical research at UCLA's Semmel Institute for neuroscience and human behavior and really get to do some awesome studies there. I'm working on a thesis between anxiety and childhood trauma Um, and I do a lot of community work. I get to do awesome things like this and talk about it on podcasts. I get to do some public speaking in the community. I have my blog. I have my own podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. And we're just trudging along as I continue my education while sharing these things along the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, and it's, um, beautiful how, you know, the Lord has taken all of these things to give you the compassion and the drive to be able to reach back and to help people, um, along, along the way. Um, so, so with this and the other thing too, I think that this should bless people with is your parents were in ministry, right? So you, you were at church. Um, and so can you answer to this? Does our faith prevent us from dealing with mental health issues? Yeah, that is a great question. And one of the first things I like to tell everybody is that we all have mental health. So let's just be super clear about that. Just like we all have physical health, we all have mental health Okay, and it's on a spectrum, right? Yeah. That's what I was going to say. What a good way to think about it. Like, you know, my physical health, and like nutrition and mental health. So it's a thing, right? Not like this person has mental health and that person does it. No, we all, yeah, right? we all, we all have Everybody it. Has yeah. Mental health. Okay. Okay. And, um, I think one of the best ways I, it's not even a comparison of mental health and physical health because mental health is physical health as well. Mm-hmm. The brain is an organ, mm-hmm. um, you know, just like any other organ and mm-hmm. you have, Uh, all these biological factors from hormones to, you know, neurochemicals to brain structuring. I mean, you have all these things that contribute to your mood and behavior. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we all have mental health. Um, We all experience it on a spectrum, you know, just like um, there's a spectrum of health. Sometimes you might get a cold 
mm-hmm. you might have something that's more chronic that you're mm-hmm. taking care of ongoingly because mm-hmm. of something in your body that needs more attention. It's the same with mental health. Sometimes you just might feel sadness. Some people feel something more severe like depression mm-hmm. or, uh, or really, uh, or, um, maybe even some people experience bipolar disorder, mm-hmm. something that they have to take ongoing care of mm-hmm. and lifestyle management of. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the inclusion of medication because of some kind of uh, imbalances going on with the brain uh, that is just like physical health. So right. seeing it on that spectrum. And so just like you have faith and health, you have faith and you can get physically sick. Um, you can have faith and also have things going on that contribute to your mental health, uh, declining sometimes. Right. Um, and right. you know, it, that was one of the things when I was serving in church that was really making logical sense for me. Cause you see people come to Christ, right. Mm-hmm. And you see people come to the altar and they're born again and they love the Lord, but are still struggling with hurts, habits, hangups with associative traumas, with anxieties, yeah. because our human experience isn't erased, you know? Even- oh, wait a minute. Just pause right there because we need to. <laughs> yeah. Our human experience is not erased right. when we come to Christ. That's very powerful. That's very powerful. We're renewed spiritually, you know, and many, and in many ways we can be delivered in miraculous ways. I believe in that, but Mm -hmm. that can look different for everybody, Absolutely, you know, um, the healing journey. Mm -hmm. And so being respectful of that and honoring and understanding of that. And so Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% man. His humanity wasn't erased. Isaiah said he was a man of Mm. acquainted with deep grief and Mm -hmm. sorrow. Mm -hmm. His human experience wasn't erased, even though he literally was the physical manifestation of God. He still had these human experiences, right? And so it's the same for us. So to think otherwise would not even be biblical. Um, That's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And that Jesus understands. Absolutely. He understands. Yeah. More than anyone. Cause I just think he was the most misunderstood person on yes. the face of the planet. Yes. <laughs> you know, even Still time, is by a lot of people, by the yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His disciples are like, what are you saying? You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, So anyway, yeah, so it doesn't erase the human experience, you know, and I know we've talked about this, Eileen, but especially when it comes to things like trauma, that stores in your brain, that stores in your nervous system, it's a survival mechanism. And so those things can be Mm re-triggered and you can love the Lord with all your heart. You know, um, you can read scripture every single day, but you until you practically kind of do the work that is also going to renew those thought patterns, um, taking care of, like we said, uh, getting enough sleep, right. Uh, your nutrition, sometimes that contributes as well. All these things, um, they all contribute. We still have our human experience. So yeah. Do you think that a lot of women, um, put pressure on themselves to be, uh, you know, like, okay, if they, they've come to Christ and then maybe they dealt with an issue, God gave them revelation on it. And then three years later, they get angry over a past hurt to where it triggers something again. Um, I, and then, uh, I, I see a lot of women and certainly if I've experienced this, then I feel ashamed 
because I feel like, what's wrong with me? Like I should be past this now, you know? Um, so can, can you, if, if you were to, if a woman came to you and said, Brittany, like I, I'm such a bad person because I am still feeling this way. What encouragement would you give to her? Yeah, I definitely think that somehow in the church culture, we've created some unrealistic expectations. Oh, um, that's another. And, Wait a minute. We're just somehow yeah. in the church culture, we've created unrealistic expectations. Yes. It's like standards. That's so powerful. Yeah. It's like standards and standards are what cause shame. Yes. Because I'm measuring myself. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard this testimony at church. I bought a Bible study that said break free from this. So why am I not here? So it's trying to, um, these, these unrealistic expectations, the church has created unrealistic expectations. That's powerful. We tend, and, and there are a lot of reasons for this, but we tend to really easily slip into black and white thinking Mm -hmm. and need to open up the space for different dynamics Mm -hmm. that are going on. So, you know, one of the things that I always tell people is that if you're still struggling with something, and and I've been there where you, you know, you struggle with insecurity and you go to this conference hoping you're going to be delivered from this once and for all, right? And then, you know, a week later, you're still battling with the same thoughts. You're like, what is wrong with me? And that's just not realistic. The reality is that we're always going to have these struggles. Mm -hmm. It's very likely that we'll be re-triggered. It's very likely that things will be projected from the past, Mm -hmm that remind us of things Mm -hmm. like that is just a part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Really what we want to be aiming for are the coping skills of Mm -hmm. how we deal with that um, so that we are dealing with it differently when it does come up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Negative thoughts, they're going to continue. They happen to all of us, but it's about how we're reframing those thoughts when they pop up. Mm -hmm. It's about how we're coping with these things when they pop up so that we're handling it differently. We're learning to pause and shift And, um, and, and there's growth in that. Mm -hmm. And that the more that we practice that, the more that we develop, um, the more that we develop the habit of essentially renewing our minds and going, okay, you know, and and living intentionally and saying, okay, these are not new thoughts. I've been here before. I've dealt with this before. I've been in this trigger before. Um, what is another way I need to look at this? you know, what is another way I need to reframe this in this moment that is more, that is healthier, that Mm -hmm. is more rational. Something I always joke about with my friends when things come up and you're trying to deal with it. It's like, okay, that's what the old Brittany would do. What is, (laughs) what is healthy Brittany going to do? Just even having that moment where it's like, okay, that's old Brittany. Healthy Brittany is going to do things these this way. <laughs> yeah. If when we are walking uh, with the Lord and then the enemy shames us, and I know this has happened to me, I tried to, then I wouldn't go to him to get help. I, you know, would hide it and try to handle it on my own. And basically what I was doing is I was trying to um, fix my behavior instead of experiencing the, the inner transformation instead of pausing and saying, God, I am really scared or I'm really jealous over that person or I don't like this person. I, you know, and, and, and with the Lord, when you walk with him in that way, yeah, 
he brings this slow understanding where you can begin to see things in a new light. And I think, you know, the pain of shame is so heavy. We just want relief from it. The pain of depression, you know, and anxiety. I mean, there was a season in my life where the only reason why I got out of bed was because I had two children. That was like, okay, we're putting our feet on the ground. Um, but I just felt um, so lost and I couldn't find that traction. And it wasn't until I, uh, through my therapist who um, graduated from Duke University, but also Oral Roberts University. So I had the privilege of walking with somebody that had that science, you know, with the faith background. Um, Although, gosh, really got to pray for him because he graduated from Duke. I'm a big UNC fan. (laughs) But anyway, but we'll forgive him for that. But where he said, you know, you've you've got to get honest with God and you've got to start being real and realize that this is going to be a journey. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, So I always say God... I always say God wants to heal what shame is trying to hide. Whoa. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all shame does. It leads you to hide. I mean, we see this in Genesis, right? That's the first thing they do once they realize they're naked. The shame. They yeah. hide. It's it's a cycle that nothing is new under the sun, right? Um, and God wants to heal that. And the only way he can heal that is in the light because we really are as sick as our secrets. And so... Um, Yeah. And I think a lot of us, even those who are listening have experienced where we just held on to something and we just let it manifest. But the moment that we maybe shared our story or the moment that uh, we heard someone else share something that empowered us or freed us to feel like we could share or reached out to a friend or um, finally asked for prayer about this situation to begin facing it, there was just this freedom to really deal with it, to really address it. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, it's just, just walking in the light, you know, yeah. there's freedom there. I know it's hard though. Um, because it's the same thing that's trying to keep you yeah. from yeah. talking about it because we're afraid of how people will perceive us. Yes, We're afraid that people will disqualify us. Yes. Um, and it really, I mean, it's really foolish because, uh, we all, a lot of times struggle with all these same things and nobody's talking about it. Yeah. And so really yeah. just developing a culture of that openness with things like this, the podcast, having these conversations and creating these safe spaces. Yeah. It, it's how we change that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Um, and certainly even I, because I thought, well, you know, I've written Bible studies and I have a ministry. <laughs> how can yeah. I tell my listeners that I take 30 grams of Cymbalta a day. Um, and so, um, so even I have felt like, you know, not comfortable doing that. Um, but, but no more. And, um, I think, I think that's even more powerful to Mm -hmm. be like, okay, Mm -hmm. even though she's gone through this depression where she couldn't even get out of bed, even though she's, you know, on a medication regimen or whatever it is, she's producing these amazing things that are changing people's lives. And that literally just goes to show even more how God uses our humanity. And it really humanizes where God's grace, you know, meets uh, those areas. 
and, and again, we always say if God only works through perfect people, then he wouldn't use anybody, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the, right. that is the gospel, right? Is that he meets us in our humanity and uses it all for his glory. Mm-hmm. And so these are the messages that we need to hear more of Amen. for sure. Amen. I agree. I agree. So, um, so can you tell me, um, about the relationship and I know this is like your jam, like what, what is the relationship between faith, science, mental health, and, and medicine? Yeah, um, I guess the best way I can simplify it is that I always tell people we are bio, psycho, spirit, social, spiritual beings, mm-hmm. biological, psychological, social, and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And we also see this in scripture when it says to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. We see all these dynamics that make up a human being. And yes. God knows these, God knows this because he created us. He created all these dynamics. He created our humanity. He created our mind. He created our body. Bodies. Um, so he is aware that all of these dynamics exist and make up who we are. It's up to us to catch up to that in, in the understanding of how he's created us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the problem is a lot of times people tend to either have a uh, 100% I don't know, maybe secular view where it's like, it's nothing but the science. And then there's no God involved. You know, there's no, you know, redemption of Christ. There's no faith maybe. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you have people who have the 100% spiritual view, which is that it's all a spiritual matter. It kind of completely neglects, neglects the physicality of things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when you get into the stigmas that are like, well, it must be demonic or it must be, mm-hmm. you know, um, It must be because of a lack of faith or not praying enough because they're seeing things as 100% spiritual. And what we really want to be looking at is this integrated view that is holistic. That is how God created us, where we're looking at the evidence. We're looking at our bodies. We're looking at what is revelationally shown to be true. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I feel like science is in these cases is just a revelation of the work God has already done. He's already created that we're discovering. Um, And also having that spiritual biblical worldview where we're rooting ourselves in this truth. Mm -hmm. So with the integrated view of uh, faith and the evidence base of basis of mental health, we understand that we're biological, psychological, social, spiritual. So biological, we have, Literally, those who are listening now, you have hundreds and thousands of chemical reactions going on in your brain, you know, every second. And any one of those things can go wrong, you know. Um, It's highly known that when it comes to depression and severe depression, there's usually a lack of the neurochemical serotonin in the brain. So a lot of the antidepressants are to help with the increase of release of serotonin in your brain Mm -hmm. to help level up your mood to what we would call baseline. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, what else you have hormones as well. Uh, for example, the thyroid that's responsible for your metabolism. Well, a lot of times when there's an underactive thyroid, you're not, you know, metabolizing enough, um, and you're feeling not enough energy, right? So you're feeling lethargic. There can be weight gain. Um, there can be depressive moods. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, That depression is the result of really an underactive thyroid and someone needs help treating the thyroid. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, they could have a hyperactive thyroid where it's making them anxious, right? Mm -hmm. And these are things that are tied to your physicality. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Right. And then there's a psychological, which is your mental framework that comes from, you know, how you were raised, events that you've experienced in your life, uh, parenting styles you're raised with, uh, all these things that have shaped your reality, even the filter of how you are seeing the reality of your life and the relationships you have in the world. That's a mental framework. And that's going to differ from everyone based on your yeah. background and experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a the social aspect. We were made for healthy attachments. We mm-hmm. see this scripturally. Man was not made to be alone, right? We love to quote that. Um, but then there are also literally neurochemicals like dopamine and oxytocin that are released upon attachment um, that are meant to bond us. We have mirror neurons where literally, you know, we can be in the same room or having a conversation and our brain waves are syncing up with each other, you know, and bonding us. And there are studies that show that isolation prolonged can decrease life expectancy, that it's harmful for our health. Um, And then there's this, the spiritual aspect, which is what is the truth that we're rooting ourselves in, right? What do we, what are our core beliefs? What do we deeply believe to be true and about the spiritual nature of things, right? Um, so again, these are all dynamics, biological, psychological, social, spiritual, that all make up who we are, that all make up our mental health. And it really is just up to us to have that integrated view and that understanding furthermore, so we can have compassion and understanding for one another. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I mean, it was, um, there was a, uh, a, um, somebody that I was talking to and they, um, opened up to me, they were close enough to me to where they knew that I, you know, took Cymbalta and they said, they said, you know, why am I having all of these anxious feelings? You know, why, why I don't, I don't know how to stop it. And I said to them, um, I said, well, you know how, um, uh, uh, and this person is, um, in somewhere in our family, um, I said, you know how my husband has to wear glasses because his eyesight is not all the way there. And that was in third grade. They, they found that out. And I said, and you know how, um, my brother has to take medicine because he has high, um, high blood pressure, but he also has to eat differently and make sure he exercises and I said, so what you're going through is just like that. Um, and there's medicine out there to help that. There's that whole body approach. The difference with yours is that not everybody honors your struggle as um, it's, it's not talked about. So whereas we'll talk about high blood pressure and taking medicine for that and reading the word to calm yourself for that and exercising and all of those things, we won't talk about mental health or right. like you're saying, we'll compartmentalize it. Like we'll just pray. Yeah. Or don't yeah. be anxious. It's like, okay, I know that, but I can't, I can't get there. And, um, practicality. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to say that in the, 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 
the unfortunate thing about that is that the longer that you go, not fully understanding what's going on with you, um, the more that shame builds and the oftentimes the more the symptoms can increase because mm-hmm. you just don't know the inner workings of what is going on. Mm-hmm. So it becomes more ca- harmful for us in the long run. And research has shown that people wait on an average of eight to 10 years before they ever seek treatment. And yeah. oftentimes it gets worse by then. Wow. So it really is helpful to seek those things right away. And, you know, when it comes to, you know, treatment and medication and things like that, the truth is that, uh, Research again has shown that what's most effective is talk therapy plus medication because medication isn't going to change your thoughts, right? It might help deal with the biological side, but at the end of the day, how you're processing your thoughts mm-hmm. um, and how you're thinking about things, that's, an in- that's still an internal job mm-hmm. um, that we have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, medication kind of just helps with the, again, the bodily side to bring us back to baseline so that we can clear the fog to even process those thoughts, right? Right. right. It's hard to even work out or process those thoughts when your whole body is dragging you down or is hyperactive. You can't even get there really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that the medication helps deal with the biological side, plus the talk therapy to help deal with the cognitive side, or again, the mental framework of how you're seeing things the filters that you're having, that you're reasoning things through. Which Um, come from where you marinated in, you know, growing up. The marination. All of that. The mar oh my Lord. My marination. (laughs) So that's my other way. Exactly. Thanks, mom. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, yeah. But um But yeah, so typically it's those two things together. And for everybody, it's different. Some people, you know, they get to a place long enough to where they can wean off the medication. Uh Some people may have to take medication for the rest of their lives to manage, you know, that uh, chemical or, you know, physiological things that are going on in their brain and body. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, just like, it's just like physical health, just like you said. Mm -hmm. And I think that the more people understand, and and this is what I found as I'm talking about it to more and more people, the more people begin to understand and expand their understanding to all of these things that are involved, then they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. Um, Right. Yeah, that you're not. Yeah, there's there's no shame in in doing that. Um, and I love the way that you're bringing together the truth. That it's just this big integrated approach. It's this big integrated approach. Um, and so it's like think about all the things that make up a human being. Think about all the things that make up who you are. Mm-hmm. It's so many things, mm-hmm. you know, about just ourselves. Yeah. So we're not black and white people, you know, we're human beings have all of these dynamics going on. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, and you know, and I, in, in my own journey, I remember just, you know, struggling with this and, you know, the Lord just impressing upon my heart, you know, do you tell me how I decide to you know, to, to bring you through this journey, to heal you. And, you know, in the word, you know, to one person, it was pick up your mat and walk to the other person. It was put mud on your eyes. And so if the Lord is saying, this is a part of, of your journey, um, then embrace it and embrace him. And it's just that one day at a time, one step at a time, that whole, whole approach. Um, but that those unrealistic expectations, that'll, that'll pop us over into pretending like, oh, yeah. well, I, I know I'm not supposed to be angry with this person. And so 
I'm just going to be angry on me. You know what I mean? And then you never, you never yeah. process, um, or, or walk through. So, um, I love that you just said that God, basically God can heal in more ways than one. And yeah. we are the limited ones when we believe he can only heal in one way. He can yeah. only heal prayer. He can only heal in laying hands. Like God is dynamic. He uses people. I love um, that. He can use the wisdom of doctors. He can use whatever he wants to use to I get you on the journey he has for you. Oh gosh. I love that. That's, that's so a hundred thousand. I'm just summarizing what you said <laughs> and that's that he can heal in multiple ways. So yeah. Yeah. Thank Amen. You for that wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's embrace it all. So what, one of the things I know that you're passionate about, um, is, is the role of food in mental health. I would like, and you've got lots of information on your website on that. And I know that you're writing about it. Um, yeah. What can you give our listeners? Um, I'd, I'd love to know personally, okay, this is kind of selfish, <laughs> but what are like the top five foods to eat for mental yeah. health? And I don't know if there is such a thing. Um, right, and I, right. I, you know what? And those, the blogs that are like, Take these five steps and get rid of anxiety. I'm just like, I'm so done with it. (laughs) You don't know what. But it just popped in my head, Brittany. So, but are there, are there, what foods, can you tell our listeners what foods are really good to eat for mental health? And then, uh, and then maybe just uh, how our food is helpful. Um, And I guess I should ask this question too, but I don't want to, because I know you're going to say sugar isn't good. But oh, yes. yeah. that was, that was I know you're going to tell me I can't have chocolate. No, I have sweet tooth. So, you know, we have grace. Yeah, right. So it's like, oh, let's just focus on what we should eat. No. Um, but yeah, if you could just um, expand on that, I would love to know about that. I am so glad you asked because this is my jam. Like, I love the relationship between food and mental health. It's something that I've been on in my own journey. Um, for the past few years. And so I've just kind of been taking people along the way as I've been learning and interviewing people on this topic. Um, Yeah, I did a research paper at UCLA. It was like one of my first mini papers on the relationship between diet and mental health. And after I read that, I was just like, oh my gosh, because we always talk about food and nutrition for physical health and our heart health and our cholesterol. But it's like, what about our brain health? Because that's totally a thing. So I guess to start really quickly with the relationship between food and mental health, I think there are three things to just kind of basically understand. Uh, One is that food is fuel for our brain and body, right? Food breaks down into glucose, which is the energy reserves that our body uses to power our brain and body, to power our actions. So again, we like to use the term hangry. Like you think you're depressed. You think you're mad at the world. You think you're upset and something's wrong with you. No, you're just hangry, right? Mm -hmm. You're low on energy. You don't Mm -hmm. have the energy to fight those thoughts and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, You're having brain fatigue. Oh, I love that. You don't have the energy to fight those thoughts. Yeah. Because I'm just thinking about, you know, on those days where it's just been a long day and then the trigger comes and you stab me, you know, but so we yeah. need to give ourselves grace in that. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I love that. Something. You're a whole new person. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jason knows food is my love language. It's like, it's you down, bring your food. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and then there's something called the gut brain axis. Um, this is the enteric nervous system. So what re- growing research is finding is that uh, for a while, we thought that the brain just communicated to the gut, basically saying, you know, to process the food, digest the food, mm-hmm. giving it the orders to do its thing. But what we actually found is that there's this 
kind of like two-way highway, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That it's bi-directional communication. Not only is the brain communicating to the gut, Mm -hmm. but the gut is also communicating with the brain. Mm -hmm. Um, So the nutrients and the building blocks of what we are eating, they are being communicated back to our brain. So that's the second thing, the gut-brain access. Uh, The third thing is the blood-brain barrier. And so basically there is a uh, BBB, blood brain barrier Mm -hmm. that coats our brain. Um, It's the blood barrier that coats our brain. And that is where vital nutrients are carried from our bloodstream toward the brain and then absorbed by the brain. Okay. Um, So literally we think what we eat, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, depending on what we're eating, that could be influencing what is going to our brain, what is being communicated to our brain. So when it comes to the types of things that we want to eat that are helpful, um, some that I can think of really quickly, and this also tends to align with just overall health recommendations, that's, you know, your fruits and veggies. So veggies and leafy greens like kale and spinach are high in vitamin K, uh, as well as folate, which have been shown to help prove in cognition. And also a lack of folate folic acid is a deficiency is associated with depressive moods. Mm-hmm. So lots of leafy greens, also berries, uh, berries have antioxidant effects that help protect the brain from cell damage. Mm-hmm. Um, omega threes, which mm-hmm. are found in fatty fish, like tuna, salmon, avocado, those Omega-3s are basically healthy fats, like a healthy form of fat for Mm -hmm. the brain. Mm -hmm. Our brain is made up of like 60% fat. So Mm -hmm. it needs that fat structuring for powering our brain. Mm -hmm. So having omega-3s, as well as drinking lots of water, a lot of times we can just be hydrated, uh, dehydrated, especially first thing in the morning. And the brain is made up of 75% water. And so dehydration can slow down brain functioning, cognition, and attention. Mm -hmm. So also just making sure we're hydrated. Mm -hmm. But I think really a general rule of thumb that's kind of easier to follow is just kind of making sure that you have a colorful diet, like okay. kind of just making sure you have a colorful palette. On so your is plate. that like eat all the M&Ms? Not just <laughs> like eat all the M&Ms and Skittles, and Skittles. <laughs> not just the green M&Ms. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to use that. Like that's what I mean by color. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause I don't know about you, but sometimes you look down on your plate and it's like very brown, you know, you have the chicken, yeah. you have the rice, you have the potatoes yeah. or whatever yeah. it is. And it's like, no, chances are the more that we have, you know, the, I don't know, like the yams, the carrots, the greens, plus the meats. Cause we want the proteins as well. Mm-hmm. Or, um, however, even if you're plant-based protein, we want those. Um, and just making sure we're kind of eating the rainbow, so to speak. And yeah. that kind of guarantees that we're getting a little bit of everything that we need. Right. Right. Um, I love so, that. Yeah. So yeah. Those are just some things to keep in mind. I'm personally a believer of intuitive eating. I'm not a believer of legalistic or strict diets unless you have oh, some type yeah. of medical condition yeah. that requires it. Yeah. Because mental health isn't just about what we're eating. It's also the health of our mentality around food in mm-hmm. our body. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and so restrictive diets just have shown to be more harmful than helpful. Mm-hmm. So it's just... Mm-hmm eating more of what helps you feel better that mm-hmm. you intuitively notice helps you feel better and probably a little less of what kind of helps you feel worse or more agitated or weighed down. Like, you know, sugar can 
contribute to anxiety and things like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't sugar shame. I'm not one of those people. Like, oh, good. Because I, I don't, I don't like people like that. Me either. <laughs> like, come on. Like, yeah. a little bit here and there. Yeah. It's just, yeah. As long as we're not, you know, I don't know, downing sugar every single day, it's we're we'll be okay. <laughs> right, right. In in that moderation. Okay, so yeah. I love that. The the colorful diet, um, and the 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 healthy fats are important and then and then of course water um uh yeah. is is essential. I've I've had to get back on track um with yeah. with my own water drinking. So because I would very just under sip coffee all day. Oh, same here. Yeah. It's very you're drinking your second cup of coffee. And you're like, wait, it's midday. I haven't had any water yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, oops. Yeah. Need, need to do yeah. that. But that's pretty wild. Your brain is made up of 75% water. So, um, and, and again, like I can't for all the things that need to be processing. <laughs> right. For all. And so then you process better. Um, and again, her website and, and, uh, you all, the, our audience, you know, and I always say this, I never recommend anybody unless I haven't been blessed by it first. And Brittany's website is just great. Her blog is awesome. Um, and I, and you've got a Bible study too on the U version. I that do. Right? I have two. I yeah, have two okay. of them. Okay. So yeah. can you tell our audience about that? Yeah. So I have the seven day, seven day anxiety detox. So okay. that's seven days of kind of what you've been hearing here, the integration yeah. of scripture, but also the practicality of psychology I and love reflection that. On, yeah. uh, on dealing with anxiety. Yeah. Um, and then I also have a Bible plan called Verified, which is basically just talking about having a sense of internal security in a very externally focused world. I love um, it. So, and that's yeah, called Verified? It's called Verified. Verify. You know? I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you all can um, connect with her Bible studies there also. And of course, we'll be putting, um, putting links on, on side of your, on side of your, um, inside the podcast description. Boy, I think I need some more water. water. <laughs> I, like, I think I need some more water because I was having trouble getting that sentence out. So um, one other question that I wanted to ask before before we close today, and we've got to have you back on the podcast because we just I just love you to pieces. <laughs> it's been so I do. fun. <laughs> um, it, can you speak to um, a woman that has a child? that is mm -hmm. walking through mental health. You know, it was interesting when I reached out to our audience and asked them, you know, what kind of podcast do you want me to cover? The top was, was mental health. Um, and with that, a lot of people said, you know, I'm a mom or they have a friend. And whenever mm -hmm. they say they have a friend, I was like, I'm always like, I wonder if it's really them. But anyway, <laughs> they have a friend that has a child that's struggling with yeah. mental health. So how do you how do you help them or how, like what, like, where do you even begin with that? Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and you know what, that's kind of a loaded question to ask you because okay. you don't know the person and that kind of thing, but, but just Direct. anything that you could do to help, um, to help the moms. Yeah. And I'll say this, uh, you know, being a mom myself, um, I have an 11 year old now who's much taller than me. I'm not, <laughs> um, and, um, I actually don't share this a lot because, 
I do feel like at some point this is his own story mm-hmm. to share if he wants to or not, but um, I'll, I believe this is a safe space here. Um, so he's high functioning on the autism spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have definitely had that experience where at a very young age, uh, we had to check in and do different uh, therapies, whether it's um, occupation, what is it? OT, occupational mm-hmm. therapy. Mm-hmm. I know I'm not getting that right. Um, speech therapy, all of these things that we had to detect early on. Um, and so I would definitely say pay attention um, to those signs and symbols. And, you know, I love this thing that my friend, Dr. Uh, Anne Louise Lockhart said, which I definitely recommend checking her out. She's also a believer and she's a parent coach and pediatric psychologist. Um, I would say, definitely even get her on the podcast. She's amazing. And she's a good friend of mine. She said, you know, parent the child that you have, right? Mm. I think sometimes we expected something differently, or we just Mm. didn't really expect them to be going through these things. Mm. And then there's like shame around that, Mm -hmm. what we did do or what we didn't do. And it's like, look, um, it happens, uh, just parenting and loving the child that we have currently where they are and paying attention to those signs because, uh, you know, Statistics have shown that 50% of mental health conditions onset by age 14 and 75% of them onset by age 25. Mm -hmm. So if you are starting to see some signs and symptoms, I mean, how much of a blessing and wonderful would it be if that child was like, you know what, my parents kind of detected things earlier and they sought out that help earlier. So I was able to understand Mm -hmm. some of what I was going through and those signs and symptoms and have that support early on as I was navigating high school Mm. going forward, as I was navigating college or Mm. whatever it is going forward, I had that support versus what happens with what's happened to a lot of us is where it was never picked up on, or it was never uh, taken for further help. And then we're navigating these things by ourselves, driven into more loneliness, despair, Mm. shame, depression, um, which is what happens with a lot of teenagers. And so Definitely, if there are signs like not being scared of those, (laughs) but instead trying to um, meet them with getting maybe an assessment from Mm -hmm. a child psychologist or a developmental psychologist, just to see if there are any signs of something more happening that would need more support or or help going forward um, and doing that sooner than later for their benefit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and I think that one of the places that you could probably start is your physician, Mm -hmm. um, right. Or your child's physician or, or, uh, I'm like, I need water for my brain now. Um, pediatrician, that is the word, (laughs) (laughs) uh, the pediatrician, oftentimes they can refer you Mm -hmm. to, um, the mental health side of your, you know, medical providers Mm -hmm. and all of that, Mm -hmm. uh, or going through your insurance to look up a pediatric, psychologist or therapist or what have you just Mm -hmm. to be able, it's better to be safe than sorry. So to speak, it's better to know. It's always just better to know, even though there's that part holding you back. That's like, I just don't want anything serious to be wrong with them. So then you don't, and you hope that it plays out or whatever. It's better to just know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I could, I cannot agree more. And, um, and just as a, as a minor, Mine are 21 and 19 now, so um, so older, but but I have seen over and over again that when we needed help with our boys, just saying, Lord, you know, 
help me with this and give me, give me direction. And then, you know, let the Lord lead you to those providers that can help. And then don't ignore if you have this, you know, you know, because I think sometimes we think, oh, they're a counselor. They're going to help me. Um, and, and they could very well be, but just to pay attention to um, to how the Lord's leading you. And if you don't have a good feeling about it, then just, you know, don't go away. I mean, you don't even have to give um, an, an explanation. And the other, right. the other piece that I would just say from a mom's perspective um, is that I think I felt like for a long time and my children bless their hearts <laughs> to go through this with me. But, you know, I felt like for a long time, that I was a bad mother if I saw issues in my children. And so then it, it, um, uh, which, you know, and the, and the, the heart behind that is I didn't want my children to go through, you know, maybe what I went through or, you know, and I wanted things to be good. And so then when I saw things that they were struggling with, I, I flipped at first to what, what am I doing wrong? And it, that kind of made it about me. Um, and God got me straight on that. (laughs) Yes. Sit down with me. And, um, but, but to just, you know, you, in the very beginning of the podcast, you said that walking with the Lord doesn't take away our human experience and our children are human. And so they have mental health and they have other things that they are struggling with. And it is not a reflection on your parenting if they struggle, even if, you know, because I know that um, uh, one of my children, you know, learned from me, you know, wanting to be perfect. And I, you know, I, I say that, you know. But mm-hmm. if I start to make it about me and I'm, you know, I did the, and you know, then you get ashamed again, what you were saying, then it, then it becomes something that you hide instead of saying that they need help and I'm going to walk through them with this. And, um, you know, I'm not going to be, um, in, embarrassed about it or, or whatever. Um, and, and yeah. so we've, we've kind of got to get, get out of the way and, and be okay. And that, um, the Lord knows your heart and your heart was, you wanted to raise, uh, great children. You didn't want them to hurt. And that's a beautiful thing. And isn't it great that you don't have to do that on your own. And even in the mistakes that I made yeah. in parenting, which, you know, were a lot, <laughs> were a lot that, was, that God's grace was there. He was, he was yeah. there. He was there and everything he makes everything beautiful, Ecclesiastes three eleven, all in his own time, and it's all going to be okay, moms out I'm there, so younger glad. children. It's all going to be okay. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. them, I promise. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you said that. I know for me as well. It's like there are a lot of things I can have pretty tough skin about because I've been through a lot, and mm-hmm. you know, and I've learned how to deal with certain thoughts. But mom guilt that is a specific trigger for me. And I think most moms where it's like that will get to me anytime, like over anything. And that's probably a whole conversation, um, on its own. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I just love everything that you're saying. Yeah. um, Yeah. Along the way. So yeah. Yeah. So definitely. And I I was going to say, I mean, I feel like the fact that, and for all also for those who are listening, the fact that you were even having that self-reflection that is like, what am, what am I doing? Even though it might be slightly self-centered, 
I think is even a the sign that you do love and care and are wanting Amen. to do the right thing and you are in the perfect position mm-hmm. for your kid because it's the parents who are toxic and abusive and a narcissistic mm-hmm. that that don't even have that process that don't even have that self-reflective process so i would say that if you are feeling some mom guilt oh, that's yeah. actually a sign that you really care and that you genuinely love and want the best for them and that makes you the perfect person and that yeah. they really have a loving caring embraceive parent oh, who's just right for them or just so perspective that is i love that reframe i love reframing is my game like reframing you know, i love reframing. that um because there usually is a flip side that is uh, very well intentioned. And so that's actually a sign that that's a good sign in a way. <laughs> mm, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is just a gorgeous reframe. I love that. I love, yeah. I absolutely love the that. The parents who are actually destroying their kids and kind of toxic are the ones that don't even have that reflective process. Usually, right. Right. Or they don't even look at themselves. Yeah. So. Yeah. And are not. And I've even... personally been there. Yes. So not from my parents, but from other adults. Um, yeah. That were kind of in those spaces. So yeah. Um, y'all are doing great. <laughs> yeah, you moms out there, and you know, and with with mothering, one of the things too, just in our journey, and the Lord brought. I mean, even um, one of my son's tutors that he had in fourth grade. We're still close friends with her and she still speaks into his life. And I think that sometimes as moms, we're called to be the nurturers. And so you have to let other people do, do their role and you want to fix it all. And I know, and I love your perspective. It's like, God knows your heart and stuff. And then he's like, but let me help you. <laughs> let me, let me right. take this off of you. So anyway, just partner with me. So, oh, uh, well, this, this has been absolutely awesome. And the good news, Treasure Tribe, is that you can go to Brittany's website and you can continue um, to glean from her wisdom as, as she's walking through learning more and more about mental health. Um, Brittany, I cannot thank you enough. I know that as a woman, your time is your most valuable valuable commodity. And I don't know how you're doing all what you're doing, what, what Great you're to doing. God. <laughs> Great to God. but I really, I cannot thank you enough for taking time to do this podcast. It was, it was outstanding. And I know that you all have loved it too. So thank you. Thank you. This has been phenomenal. We'll have to do it again. Oh, I would love that. I would love that. (laughs) So Treasure Tribe, make sure you look inside of the podcast description and we'll uh, give you the links to Brittany's uh, website as well as those two Bible studies inside of version. And I have a feeling that this is not the last time that Brittany, you're going to hear from Miss Brittany on this podcast. Um, we have so enjoyed having you and I just pray blessings over the work that God has called you to do. So thanks so much for joining in today, everybody. And I want to give a big thank you, too, to our donors who make everything that we do possible. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.